Hello and welcome to the Salty Club podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Creeper, and I am here today with Taylor Godber. She is a backcountry snowboarder that lives in Whistler, BC. In her own words, one of the things that truly makes her feel alive is backcountry snowboarding. Whether it's snowmobile access or self-propelled missions, navigating the mountains under bluebird skies or in the chaos of a storm, dropping in to carve a lion down a snow-covered face or weaving between trees in pockets of power with friends, it all demands for us to be present, to live in the moment. And she says there is no better place to be. She creates recipes and nutrition guides for the Salty Club, and we are stoked to have her in our new Move and Breathe with the Pros program, where she has created a 10-minute breath routine and a meditation and pranayama video. You can access this program simply by going to the salty.club. It is included in your Salty Club membership. If you're not a member yet, no problem. You can trial everything that the club has to offer for seven days completely free. Just go to the salty.club and hit free trial. But for now, let's get into the podcast. Hello and welcome to the Salty Club podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Creeper, and I'm here today with Taylor Godbar. She is a backcountry snowboarder that lives in Whistler, BC, and in her own words, one of the things that truly makes her feel alive is backcountry snowboarding. Whether it's snowmobile access or self-propelled missions, navigating the mountains under bluebird skies or in the chaos of a storm, dropping in to carve a line down a snow-covered face or weaving between trees in pockets of power with friends, she says it all demands for us to be present, to live in the moment and there is no better place to be. She creates recipes and nutrition guides for the Salty Club, and we are stoked to have her in our new Move and Breathe with the Pros program, where she has created a 10-minute breath routine and a meditation and pranayama video. You can access this at the salty.club. This program is included in your membership, and if you are not a member, you can simply go to the salty.club and hit free trial for seven days free access. But for now, let's get into the podcast. Taylor, thank you so much for being here with us today. I know this time of year is one of the busiest time of the year for you. So Talita Singh, could you tell us a bit about like what, what your days are like right now and what this time of year is like for you? Well, thank you so much for having me um, on the podcast. Um, yeah, and I'm so sorry it's taken so long to be able to connect. Um, it's such a crazy time of year for me. Um, this is really when my focus is on snowboarding, and that is totally dictated, um, my schedule is, um, by the forecast. So um, as everybody knows who follows either snow or waves, um, the weather is very erratic and um, always changing. So it makes it very mm-hmm. challenging to um, make phone calls and Zoom calls and meetings like this. Um but yeah, by my day to day, it can vary um, when it's really go time for sledding, which is really the season that we're entering and kind of as of last month too. Um, it's really early mornings, anywhere from 3.30 in the morning to six in the morning. And then um, oh, just out in the back country for the whole day and then um, back at after sundown. So um, that also varies as the season progresses and as the days get longer. Mm-hmm. 
It's funny. I mean, I, I've had such a working relationship with you for such a long time now, but it's always been centered around kind of the nutrition. And in now that you're featuring on our move with the pros, I've started to really dig into watching your snowboarding videos and getting to know you as a snowboarder. And it feels like I'm getting to know you again in a whole different way. And I'm just in awe of you. I watch your videos on Instagram over and over and over and I'm showing Ugo and I'm like, look at this, this is Taylor. And I just can't believe it. It's like, ah, and I just want to ask, like, what made you decide to, you know, build your whole entire life around something which is so risky and so scary and so huge and so immense? Like what made you make your life this way? Well, thank you for the extremely kind words, and I'm stoked that you're enjoying the content. Um, oh, what made me, inspired me to have a life that's centered around the mountains half here? That's a great question. Um, well, I grew up in a town outside of the mountains, a couple hours away. My parents weren't really ski people. And I went on a school field trip and we went skiing and snowboarding and, and I liked it. I didn't like love it, but it was fun. Mm -hmm. um, and then later on in high school, just around grade 11 and grade 12, uh, I was having a really hard time at school, actually probably even at grade 10, um, being severely bullied by a group of girls and home life was shaky. Uh, my mom was going through her own, um, her own challenges and my dad wasn't really, really in the picture. So I just kind of didn't want to be at school and I didn't want to be at home. And my best friend at the time, he was a little bit more forward thinking <laughs> uh, in grade 12. He made it so that every other day he had off. So he had condensed his classes. So he was going to finish all his classes. And I was just like, Hey, you're going up the mountains. Like I'm coming with you. Like I'm down. So I'd skip every other day of school. I do not recommend that. Um, I did graduate. <laughs> I did graduate. I showed up for all the important days and um, yeah, graduated. Um, all my courses. Um, but yeah, I'd skip school and I'd go up the mountain and it was just like this place of solace for me. Um, the community and being outside and it, it just brought so much happiness and so much grounding to my life more than I had even imagined. And I'm only starting to really understand and maybe the last five years of the impact that it had on my life. Um, but yeah, then I graduated and then I was going to take a year off school because I actually, I liked learning. I just didn't like high school. <laughs> mm. And I, I actually wanted to go to school to be an orthopedic surgeon because I wanted to help people um, that were athletes get back into their sport and kind of, um, yeah, help propel them back into what doing what they love. And <laughs> what a, what a right or left turn that was. <laughs> the same friend I, I need to call him I I just had another interview and I spoke about him then too I gotta call him and give him a big thank you but I was like you know what you should come to Whistler just for a year you know like just for a year before you go to school and I was like okay yeah like that sounds fun so I moved up to Whistler zero expectation just like I'm gonna go shred and I even got up here and I was like wow I'd only been up here once so I'd ridden this small local hill and then I went up to Whistler, which is like one of the meccas of the world, not only on the mountain, but also in the backcountry. And I'd never ridden powder before. And I remember like that was a, such an awful moment. It wasn't like this beautiful first time moment. I remember falling and being like, oh, no, I'm never going to get up. I'm going to die. Here. <laughs> uh, not total breakdown, but I just like I was following these people that were a lot better than me. And um, but quickly I started to fall in love with them with that with it and just like 
I fell in love with like watching them navigate the mountains and how they just moved with ease with the terrain. And like, I was like, wow, I want to experience that. So I did my best to keep up. And, um, on from another friend, it was suggestion to work was like, don't work for the mountain work, get a night job because then you can ride all day. I was like, which was another great suggestion from somebody. So Mm -hmm. I worked at a, so I worked at a restaurant for five nights a week. And then I worked at a nightclub the other two nights. And then I just read all day. And I was like really falling in love with the culture of the mountains and the people. And I really felt accepted. Like it felt like a place where um, there wasn't really any of that bullying that I was getting in high school. If anything, like individualism was almost celebrated and being eccentric was celebrated. And there wasn't like this weird kind of like separation and cliqueiness and it was really cool. So I felt at home. Um, and then I started to think, Hey, well, how can I, I mean, I'll stay for another year, you know, as it goes, it's a very common story here, moved here for a year. Mm -hmm. And now people that spend their whole lives here. Um, and I was like, okay, how do I stay here? Like, what do, what I need to do? So I kept working in the restaurants and then I just started becoming aware that the people I was riding with, they actually had this dream and this goal to be professional athletes. And I was, like witnessing how they were riding. And I was, for some of them, I was like, I can, I can do that. Like I'm at that level. I was like, why don't I just try to get a little support? It'll be, you know, I'll get some gear for cheaper. I still had no idea what that looked like. I didn't know the history of snowboarding. I didn't know the who was who. All I knew was that I really enjoyed it. And I enjoyed being with this group of people. So it was like such an organic, um, beautiful thing, but I also didn't have what some people would call like a blueprint, you know? I didn't know what the steps were to do in order to get there. So that honestly is continues to be like a trial and error process, <laughs> even where I am now. Um, but yeah, started to gain sponsors and just kept falling in love with the mountains. And like I said, I like, I don't think I was just aware of what was really happening. And now when I reflect back, I'm like, Oh, that's what it is. And um, still to this day, there's like just this, um, element of adventure. And that doesn't necessarily mean it has to be from snowboarding. Now I notice I get that from so many other avenues in life, but I'm, I'm definitely drawn to adventure and being out in nature, um, being away from large groups of people. And um, yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that vulnerable story with us. I think a lot of people can relate to that bullying aspect especially in these places and these schools where it's it's about conforming and and it's about you know like not standing out and it's about just trying to be the same as everyone else and and bullying can be really crippling for a lot of years even after you leave school so I think thank you so much for sharing that story I think that might help a lot of people to hear it too that it's if they're going through that it's not just them if they've been through that it's not just them like you were one of the coolest people in my life that I know as so inspirational <laughs> to me. So it's like, you know what I mean? I think, I think that will help a lot of people. So thank you so much for sharing that. It sounds like you found a really good group of people there. And it sounds like the women are really supportive of each other there as well. Yeah. You know what? I'd have to say like only in the last like few years have I really found like my female group in terms of like in sport, you know? Like I have some friends and I have amazing, amazing friends, but um, in terms of like the athlete aspect, I'd say in like the last few years, it's been like very cohesive. Like it's, it's finally happened, which is like, Mm. also, I totally understand this is a very male dominant sport. Um, 
And for a lot of women, like it was, there wasn't a lot of space for women in sport for a long time. There was kind of like the one token woman um, for each group and they had to fight their, they had to fight really hard to even get that spot. So um, yeah, I think there's also been like a gap, like a kind of a generational gap. There was a, there's a group of women that have been in the mix for a really long time. They've been really close for a long time. Then there's a little bit of a gap and then there's kind of a few of us. And then there's this like wave of like in incredible women coming up too. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's incredible. So would you say it's a good time for people who are wanting to get into snowboarding for women who are wanting to maybe are interested and curious, would you say it is a good time for women snowboarders or not to say oh. women snowboarders, but for women in snowboarders. Yeah, I think, I mean, I feel like what an incredible time for us to be alive. I There's so much pandemonium happening in the world and so much suffering that we're witnessing. But at the same time, um, this is a time in our on our earth when like all these souls have chosen to come back here. Like there's more than ever, right? Um, it seems yeah. like such a special time to be alive, to be part of this movement. And we're seeing it across the board, like in surfing and snowboarding, um, skateboarding, really all the sports and all the sports that move and breathe with the pro is supporting is um, pay equity and, and not just for the athletes, but also just within the company, right? Like um, a lot of brands too, are allowing women to continue on with their career when they have babies, if anything, it's like more celebrated than ever. And that's huge. Um, so yeah, that's I feel massive. like, yeah, it's really, really cool. And I think too, it's not always about like, it's always for a long time been like women catching up to the men. And it used to kind of be a compliment if someone you were riding on the hill and someone's like, Oh, I thought you were a dude. <laughs> it's like so <laughs> weird. Um, and now it's like, it's not so much of like keeping up, but like celebrating what each of us has to bring to the table. And, and personally, like it, I believe snowboarding to be a form of self-expression, just the same as surfing and skating and skiing and uh, stand-up paddleboarding or whatever you're doing. Right. It's like a way for you to express. And now we're not seeing it so much as this competitive nature. And I think women are being given the opportunity to choose how they're marketed and choose how they express themselves and have that be celebrated, you know? Um, mm -hmm. not comparing like the biggest wave or the biggest mountain, but just like how it was written. And I just think that's like super special. And personally, like at the end of the day, like we all possess both masculine and feminine. Um, and I think that we're really seeing a shift globally from this like patriarchal way of running the world and having this, like the female and the mother, like be lifted up within all of us, not just you know, we don't want to like shame men too, because I see that happen too. You know, this old way of feminism of like kind of putting men down to the fact to point where they're like scared to like express themselves too. And and that's not what it's about, right? It's just about celebrating each other and, and finding this balance within ourselves. Exactly. Like men and women celebrating that masculine and feminine side of themselves. Exactly. You're so right. And I've said this to you before, you know, what I, what I love about you is how beautifully you to balance these two sides of yourself in a way because you are one of the most empathetic and kind of nurturing people that I feel like I, I've met and I work with and I relate with and it's one of the few like it's one of the reasons you're the only person I've kind of let co-host the podcast along with me because in the earlier interviews that you did for us for this series but at the same time you do have this grit and this shred like the way you snowboard and so I just see this beautiful balance between this let's say not to assign shredding to masculinity but you know what I mean it's like that grit and that go for it so 
yeah, I just wanted to talk about that a bit. Is, is that been a journey for you or have you, you always been able to kind of balance that masculine and feminine side of yourself? Um, thank you so much for the kind words. Um, I'm going to tear up over here. Um, yeah, I don't know. You know, it's, it's such a constant balance and it's interesting. Like I'm still and forever will be learning to like come into like myself, you know, and like what is authentic and who am I? And that's also always changing. And for a long time, there's kind of two parts of this. Um, I remember when I was younger and there's definitely a culture in ski and snowboarding. I think it's a lot different now because kids are like really focusing on training and being healthy. But when I moved here, there was like a lot of partying. That was just the culture, you know, it was like let loose, shred hard. And like that still exists. Um, I've since uh, stepped away from that. Um, that was a past life. And, and I can't say like, uh, I don't have any shame around it. It's, it had its place. Um, but I remember being so uncomfortable in my own skin and like uncomfortable with who I was. And there was always this like, um, what's a, the best way I can describe, describe it as this like wild woman, you know, like we, we all have within us. Um, and I think it's been suppressed for so long. And I remember when it would almost come out when I would party because it was like this release of like something I was suppressing and trying to fit in and like be kind and be a, be a good person. You should still be those things. But I mean, in like a little way, like don't speak out a turn, um, you know, kind of like that quote unquote, be, be a good little girl kind of style. And I remember when I drink, it would kind of like explode out of me, but like not necessarily in the way that I would want it to. And um, when I started writing, um, bigger mountains, I realized that I just needed this. I couldn't be like at all hungover. And I just required such like a massive capacity of being present and being aware. And not only is my life on the line, but so is the lives of other people and their safety. So it really like shifted something for me and I stopped drinking. I, I have occasional drinks now. Um, sometimes a few more at a wedding, you know, time and a place for everything, but like it just really shifted like my whole lifestyle. Um, I've always had like the eating healthy thing pretty on lock um, through education, but like that was just, it just felt like it was part of the lifestyle and part of fitting in. So like, I kind of always just went along with it. Um, and now I've realized that snowboarding for me is like this outlet to like release that, like, wild woman nature you know it's like this space in this arena where where that's it's almost like it's celebrated and it's okay so um i really believe it's like one of the ways i'm i'm able to like uh communicate that part of me and i think that we all have so many pieces of ourselves that um i really don't like the quote where they say that uh, the way you do one thing is the way you do everything <laughs> I, I just, I, I can't, I can't so. get down. I can't get down with that one. Um, yeah, I don't think so either. Yeah. Thanks for saying that because it, like, I say that that comes up a lot and I'm always like, oh, I, don't, like I don't, I don't, I don't relate to my partner, how I mother, I don't work, how I mother, you know, I don't, you know, we are all these different, but anyway, continue just to say, no. I totally get you. Yeah. And like, I guess it, I understand it for certain things, but I just think of like, also like there's a sense of like confidence and trust and um like I was saying this like communication of this like wild nature of like being connected to something like so massive like a mountain and like something so risky and 
the best like mindset to be for me is like calm and present, um, which is actually like the state of a warrior. It's like an illusion that the warrior would be like aggressive. Right. But the warrior is calm, present, aware. Um, but <laughs> even sometimes like when I'm like in the mix of like the snowboarding and the sledding and things are like intense and like, I enjoy it. I've asked my partner sometimes, I'm like, are you, are you attracted to me? (laughs) You know, because there's still, I still have this story in my head that I, I need to be a certain way in order to be loved. But like, I still have these aspects. Like um, I'm one of the biggest um, advocates for like compassion and empathy and self-care and introspection and meditation, breath work um, and like nurturing and, if anyone, like in my relationship, I need like validation. Like I, I definitely have like a mother aspect to me, but, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, I don't know. There's just so many different parts. And I think it's really cool to like, learn about like, you know, which side of you needs to be present for which aspect um, of life. I have a girlfriend who's been working with a uh, coach and she had mentioned this idea of like parts and, and I just totally agree with it. And I just think there's like, a place for each of them. Um, and we don't need to limit ourselves to only being one way to either be accepted, to be loved, to be seen. And, and it, it all, it all belongs, you know? Mm-hmm. And especially even as women, like throughout the month in our cycle, we embody different archetypes, right? We go through being like the maiden mother crone, like depending on where we are in our cycle and, and each deserves to be felt, you know, I've started really paying attention to where I'm at with my cycle and I do feel, you know, the right time to be having confrontations or the right time to be retreating or the right time to be joyful and letting things go. And, and that doesn't mean any other part isn't, isn't genuine. It just means there's a time and place for all, all aspects of ourselves. Right. One of my girlfriends, her dad, the advice he gave her husband was you should know her cycle. That was like one of the most important things he said, he said, you need to mark it on your calendar. And he didn't mean it from like a, that's the other story that's so weird with society is like, watch out. And you're like, you know, there's so yeah. many cultures that praise women like as bringing earth or bringing uh, children and souls onto this earth and they mm. celebrate it. They're like, um, they celebrate women in this powerful way versus like suppressing that. Um, it's like a time that's celebrated. It's like women yeah. are so powerful. They almost need their own space to actually like, um, I know, and, and I believe it's in, um, Colombia that they, some of the belief systems just see women as these, like they celebrate women and you know, the men go into their ceremonies and then they have, um, women go into their ceremony when they bleed in like a womb circle. And that's when the women channel, they're the closest and more sensitive which is a positive thing and they channel this information and it comes through them. And then they actually, after that, they go back and they communicate with the men because the men are given the questions to speak to the spirit world. And it's like, wow, what a different way of looking at it. Like it's celebrated. There's no shame around it. And um, yeah, that's been big for me too. Just like really tracking that and seeing it as um, a seasons, you know, like you have your winter season and your spring season and, this is the, you know, start to notice it. I'm sure you do too. You're like, wow, I'm so creative and clear on this week. 
And this week I should have no confrontation or make any big decisions. (laughs) This is winter. I'm hibernating, you know, and you just mark that off on the calendar and you try to move, you know, those big conversations to like a different time. And um, yeah, I just think it should be celebrated. It's such a beautiful thing. Yeah. And it definitely plays into how like you live your life in seasons, depending on snow season, depending on surf season. And then I've worked with you for a few years now and how you batch your, your paid work or your side projects and stuff. And that's cyclical as well. So it's amazing how we, we were brought up to think in this rigid 24 hour, because, you know, men's cycles are 24 hours and we were brought up to think on this rigid eight hour day, 24 hour cycle be the same person as you were yesterday as you were a week ago be consistent in who you are as a person and then basically everything that it means to kind of be in touch with our wild nature has been so shamed but this is also just part of the reason why I find it so inspiring and why it all really does work together that you do work seasonally that you do it's this freedom right it's this freedom to kind of build your life around your wild nature instead of trying to just fit yourself into this structure that's really just becoming more and more obsolete right I mean (laughs) still trying to figure it out (laughs) of course yeah Uh (laughs) I wish I could say that I just had this blueprint but I don't um yeah it's it's definitely interesting balancing out all these different jobs um uh, creating content with the salty crew and yourself um athlete um not just being out in the field but PR related stuff um, social media, it's like such a big part of it now. Um, you know, and then just all these other jobs, cooking and writing and, um, it's a juggling game for sure. I do my best to like really try and block things off. So, um, and I've done that in the last few years and it's been tremendously helpful. It doesn't mean that sometimes, uh, gigs don't, uh, cross over, overlap each other, but but it's really changed. And like you said, it's like um, been easier to narrow the focus and the perspective and then have those attributes and know what those pieces of me need in order to be full and to be able to show up. So I'm just coming off of like two months of like almost three months of working a lot and not being on snow as much as I would like um, due to some smaller injuries at the beginning and then just work and then snow conditions and I'm like, okay, I'm ready to like really focus on snow. Um, and it feels mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. Oh, that sounds amazing. And that's it. You have so many different parts of, that you are juggling. You're juggling your snow. Like you said, your sponsorships, your paid work, and then your cooking and then this. I mean, how do you, how do you work out how you balance that? Or how, how do you even begin? Does balance even exist? Is that something we strive for? Or you, like, what have you kind of learned along the way? Oh, I mean, like I said, I'm still trying to figure it out. And um, sometimes I get it right. And sometimes, you know, life has a different uh, agenda (laughs) alignment for your uh, next six month calendar. Um, But what I have learned is that um, it's okay to say no to jobs. And I think as an entrepreneur, that can be so challenging when we're unsure about income coming in especially I hate to bring it up, but you know, the pandemic, like I definitely saw like a large loss of income for a minute and it's starting to come back, but it's like uh, trying not to react from the scarcity model and always trusting and believing that, you know, um, there is abundance flowing to you. Um, That is so much easier to just say here than to truly live. Um, And just to like, really try to not get overwhelmed because especially of creative matters, 
That can be really challenging. Um, I don't know what it is. Sometimes when I think, when I have a job that's like a little bit more structured in a sense of like very task oriented, um, it's almost like a, uh, it's like a breath of fresh air. And I think it's important sometimes if you are a creative to kind of have that balance, because if you need to be on creatively 110%, it can be so exhausting. Um, Mm. So that's been something I've really noticed. And also in the last year, I've really learned about the necessity uh, for me to create seasons within my own life and not just seasons as it relates to like summer, winter, you know, but literally I've been catapulting myself from like surfing straight into winter. And that's what took me out for the first like month of the season. I just like went too hard, too fast. Um, absolutely wrecked my feet, like huge blisters, like, you know, lost my toenails, like got a back injury. They were all because, well, I just went from like seven months of living in sandals to like a trip where I was like, you know, out, out hiking and my feet were in boots and you're, you're, your feet, your structure changes when you're like walking barefoot for that long. And then you're going to jam your foot into this old boot. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm just really lear- working on like integrating this aspect of um, going from gig to gig, but just allowing myself rest. And I just believe, and I witness it in myself and I witness it in others. And as a collective is, Oh, it's just go, 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 go and it's accomplished. And like, there's this like, yeah, you know, desire. And I, I love evolving. I love learning. I love working through my traumas. Like I love that stuff, but it's so important to rest because in the resting spaces, when we're allowed, we're able to integrate. And if we're just like, you know, there's the whole like moving through traumas and all these things, and you're just like going, going, going and learning all these things and bringing all this like information, or maybe it's goal oriented, like, um, going on a particular trip or accomplishing something. And then it's like, you've been working so hard towards something and then you get there and you don't even give yourself an opportunity to really enjoy that and celebrate it. It becomes almost obsolete because you're just like, you know, so I just think that um, more than ever rest needs to be celebrated, not to be turned, not to be like a misunderstood as like laziness or like, um, lack of determination or, you know, cause that can, you can fall into that hole too, get pretty compliant with not, um, focusing on something, but yeah, I just think that, um, for me rest and really creating space between those big, um, seasons for me, you know, almost creating like a micro season. Yeah, exactly. To shift gears, that's it to go through the tunnel, right. And kind of, and come out the other side instead of just that's it going straight from straight to the sea, straight to the snow or straight to action into a different kind of action we need to adjust and, and also allowing rest that isn't just, you know, we have those days where it's like rest is productive and you have to spend the whole day justifying to yourself you're allowed to rest. And you're like, well, this isn't rest because I've just been like, you know what I mean? Making it even productive. I've been making this rest productive by saying, well, this will equip me to work tomorrow. It's like, no, actual rest true rest like slow rest that doesn't have this boundary around it sometimes or even unexpected rest like I thought I was going to do this today but I'm just I'm going to drop it because it feels like I need to do that and I'm going to sink into that you know I I have that a lot with Jago I can plan out my day and then he needs me so I'm like all right I'm going to like rest drop into this you know and kind of like being responsive to that as well because I think that's a big thing I think we we repeat to ourselves so much rest is important rest is this 
but it's still in that basis of rest allows you to produce, right? Like it allows you to reset to then get back and produce. It's like, no, resting, receiving, digesting. And yeah, that's it, digesting the experiences you have, the things you learn, or even just spending that time to integrate it is so important because that's like you said, it's just like, if you're even all these pleasurable experiences, if you line them up one by one by one, like you said, and you don't have that downtime to really either reflect on it like subconsciously or not subconsciously, that's it. Do they start to lose their power or their potency or like everything that it could have offered, you know? Totally. And then you leave this planet like in this uh, state of chasing something, you know, versus like learning how to be. I mean, there's so many philosophers and um, leaders or people that we we see as these um very wise beings and it's the same story it's like whatever you subscribe to it's just this idea of like being present and being here now and when i look at snowboarding and surfing those are things that bring me into a space of like being present and what that feels like you know it's like we also don't need to like go and push our limits in order to to attain that feeling you know i'm sure you get that with your son I'm staring at my dog right now. She brings me so much <laughs> happiness because I'm just so present. I'm just in awe. It's like, um, and yeah, I think that's another thing, you know, we don't need to be on a knife edge ridge to have that feeling, but it, you know, that's definitely yeah. a way to feel it. <laughs> definitely. It speaks to me a lot this morning. I'm at the beach right now. And this morning, just before we got on our call, I had my partner here and my baby and we're swimming in the ocean and I'm already in my head. I'm like, okay, this is my family time. And then I'm going to interview Taylor. I'm going to get that done. And I was like, this whole morning is to be experienced. You know what I mean? Like I get to play with my family and then I get to do an amazing interview and already I'm doing the checklist in my head to get it done. I'm like, this is not the point. Like the point is to experience it. So then I, like, I'm glad I caught myself because that's it. I get to the end of the day and I'm like, okay, I take tricks all that off a list, but did I experience it? No. So I'm glad I caught myself this morning and was able to digest the time with them. And, and now I feel truly here with you, but it's just so funny how we can do that with anything. Oh, okay. all the time. The monkey mind is a real thing and mastering that mm-hmm. and becoming friends with it and the ego is just like, that's a lifelong journey, right? Like, Definitely. Um, uh-huh. I think back to so many things, even like this past week, you know, how many moments of magic that I, I don't want to use the word destroy, but I missed because I was like just thinking and creating and And, you know, the mind is also an amazing thing. Um, it can be like, you know, our best friend or our, our biggest challenge. Um, it's just like finding that in between, you know? And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's uh, definitely something that I'm currently working on too. And meditation has helped so much just this, mm-hmm. um, I kind of fell out of my practice the last little bit and I could feel it. And it, I, it's always, it's so true. It's all those cliche things that they say that you're like, yeah, 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 whatever. <laughs> Yeah. But um, when you feel it's like sometimes when that thing is removed, you really notice the impact that the positive impact it's having on your life and just like getting back into this routine of breath work and meditation and journaling and um, movement is like, wow, I'm like, oh, I landed again. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. if I, I remember, okay, for next time when I'm this busy, I need to prioritize these things again. But, you know, it's like anything like um, you can have all the knowledge in the world, but until you start integrating it, then, you know, it just kind of 
knowledge. <laughs> it's just a mm-hmm. bunch of books on the shelf. So, um, yeah, but we're all learning and as we go. Definitely. I think this is a perfect time to talk about uh, your offering for the Move and Breeze with the Pros because how does how does that offering relate to you know your relationship with the snow and how how does meditation and breathwork and and all of that assist you in the snow? I mean, it assists me across the board for like all of my life. Um, in terms of snow, um, it just helps me be present, and that's just necessary for like. I don't mean to make it sound so intense, but like when it comes to big mountain riding, like staying alive and just like really being present in, in your body, like you can't be like standing on top of a line and being like, well, I don't know if I want to go or, and I've, and I've done that. And I, I didn't like it. I didn't enjoy it. it and that arena and that space, it's like been such an amazing place for self self-reflection and like learning to grow because it just like highlights anything that you kind of have going on, you know, like I can tell where my mindset is, as soon as I'm on the mountain, if I'm not in a good place, I have like these fearful thoughts and I can't visualize um, in a positive way. But when I have my strong meditation practice and of course, everything else in life might be a little bit more balanced and grounded, I can get up there and I like feel really good about it. Um, so breathwork has helped me um, stay calm and grounded and present um, in the mountains and out. Um as well as meditation, just like learning to visualize, um, also like, you know, worst case scenarios and best case scenarios and really feeling into the body, what that looks like. Um, Mm -hmm. and I was actually just before this call, I wanted to go for another, um, Vipassana retreat. I did a three or a four day a few years ago and it was very powerful, but I think I'm ready to dive into the 10 day. Um, I'm both terrified, both terrified and terrified and excited, but, um, yeah, it's just, it's just so intriguing to me. Um, so intriguing. And there's often times that, you know, the thoughts and the feelings flood in and just being able to like, be like, okay, you know, let it go, like witness it, give it space. And like how powerful that's like shifted my life, not only in the mountains, but just in my relationships. And, and then I notice when I'm not kind of doing all these things that keep myself grounded in that place, I'm like, a little more fiery, a little more reactive. And I'm like, Ooh, okay. I gotta, I gotta reel it back for a second here. Like that's not the space that I want to be communicating with others or showing up in life. And um, yeah, it's just, I think the time on the mat is so powerful and then you really see it in action in your day-to-day life and you'll notice it's so special when you notice something that might've triggered you before and you're like, Oh, that didn't really do anything. You're like, ah, oh, it's working, yeah. but it's just so gentle, uh-huh. you know, um, yeah. it's powerful too. There's like this big movement with, um, plant medicines, which I've, I've experienced and it's been extremely helpful, um, for overcoming some personal core wounds, but there's also like meditation, you know, like you don't, you don't need to pay for that. You don't need any props. And, um, imagine if they taught meditation in school. I know. <laughs> you know, like, imagine. it's cool. It's like really seeing a huge movement of that, at least um, yeah. in my community. And, but like, you know, it's always about like training the body and like training, like eating healthy and all these other things. But like, what about training the mind? Um, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And teaching kids, it's okay to sit with your emotions and it's okay to, 
you know, not always trying to escape this discomfort and it's okay to reflect and know your inner world and there's value in that. And that's it. I love that we are seeing a movement towards that more and more because what, like, what kind of future will we have if we raise our children this way? You know, we're, we're trying to teach ourselves it now and it's going to be a lifelong practice. Imagine and that, how much of a head, like learning that from so little, I just can't imagine. Oh, totally. And just like, I reflect back on being a little girl and I, I know this still exists for, you know, girls and boys, not just women, but that like, it's okay to be angry. It's okay to be sad. Like all of these emotions and feelings have, have a place. And like, what a world we would live in if everyone was given that opportunity and that feeling of safety and feeling seen and all, all of their parts and all of their um, vibrations that it's all belongs. Like, Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) I don't know if this is appropriate to say, but like, I am looking at, I I can't help, but like when I read the news and there's just so many horrific things happen and I just like, man, maybe these world leaders like need a hug. (laughs) (laughs) I just like envision like, these leaders as like children having these like temper tantrums. And I'm like, what was their upbringing? Like, like, you know, it's like all this like hunger for power and this like projection of like anger and sadness. And you're like, no. Um, and we all know that fighting that with, with anger and sadness doesn't, you know, it doesn't, it's like fighting fire and fire, right. Or pouring mm-hmm. gasoline on fire. Um mm-hmm. So I don't know what the answer to world peace is, but maybe we could, you know, offer up some love. Yeah, start with an emotional (laughs) literacy. Start with allowing our children to, that's it. Like all parts of them are welcome and all parts of themselves are okay and not not start this self-abandonment process from so young, right? Like I won't keep you too much longer. I'm aware I said I would keep for half an hour, but it was just too good to stop. I could No, it's like, okay. We can keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to ask, there's this quote on your website by Morgan Harper Nichols that I love. And I was wondering if you would feel comfortable reading it to the listeners and maybe sharing a little bit about what it means to you. Oh yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> um, was it this one? May you always pursue the narrow path, a life that calls for something more and not perfection, but fullness, something deeper beyond the shore. Mm, that's the one. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it can mean so many different things, but I guess in this moment, uh, it would mean to me, it would speak that the necessity to follow our own path, to take the back road and instead of taking the highway and and just to find the confidence and embody um, self-love in a space of like really following your own inner compass and following what makes your heart sing and not changing or redirecting it in order to be seen, in order to fit in, in order to succeed or to be like someone else, but just to get really clear on, you know, what is it that brings you happiness and and then on that road, also finding, okay, now I, I feel like I have this purpose in whatever chapter of your life you're in. And then, you know, how can you gift that back? I think that's really powerful too. Thank you so much for that. That's beautiful. I love that. <laughs> oh, there's so many things that I, I love those like really 
expansive and like almost like gray area quotes, you know, all the good philosophy. Mm -hmm. It just can mean so many different things to each person. Mm -hmm. Definitely. It gives you the freedom to interpret it yourself. Absolutely. As a loose guide to your life. It's amazing. Sorry that that interview ended a bit abruptly, guys. Unfortunately, both our internet connections went a bit haywire and we had to cut it there. But luckily, we were right at the end of that interview. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you would like to access the content that Taylor made for the Move and Breathe with the program, just one more time, you just need to go to the salty.club. If you're a member, it's already included in your membership. If you're not a member, all you have to do is hit free trial and you can access everything the club has to offer for seven days, completely free. So type into your browser, the salty.club. Have a great day, guys.